Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. Let me see your face. Let me look on you real quick. Yeah, y'all looking all right. Oh, look who it is. You sure did. What an honor it is to, uh, to stand here. Uh, Pastor Mark and, and Robin have played a crucial role in Heather and I's life, and so has this beautiful couple here. And um, we just love you guys. Can we give honor to the greatest folks in the world? Can we? Gene and June. Love you guys. Uh, you just can't keep a good man down, can you? Lord, I just want to be like Gene Evans. That's what I pray today. Anybody else have that on them? They just want to be like Gene Evans. <clears throat> um, have you told anybody how your little adventures this week, or have you been keeping that a secret? Okay. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, this guy's wrestling with strokes and, and gorillas and everything else. So, <laughs> and he is well and sits here among us this morning, and it's just a miracle. Amen. God is good. Amen. That is good. <clears throat> well, I, I want to share uh, just a little bit um, about the journey that I took to get here this morning. Pastor Mark called me and asked if I would speak, and I just had an honest moment, okay? So I'm not asking you to judge me. I just had an honest moment, right? I said, won't you let Heather do it? But I've taken 54 flights since July. I have been literally around the world, and I just wanted to have a Sunday off. Anybody else want to have a Sunday off? I mean a Sunday off. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, he told me no. <laughs> it's like, we don't get Sundays off, bless God. And, I mean, and he's at Disney World. But, you know. But, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm joking, right? Uh, but, no, he, he encouraged me so good. And he's like, I just know that uh, you're going to be a blessing to the house. And you guys are always a blessing to me and Heather whenever we're here. And so uh, um, it's easy for, for pastors to come up with sermons. Um, you know, we can put we can put three points together in a poem and we can come and speak and it's just whatever. It's easy for for guys to do it. Um, but I, I didn't want to come with a sermon this morning. I really wanted to come with with what did God say for for you guys. And so I started praying. I said, Lord, would you just give me a word for somebody? Because I don't want to come and give you a sermon. I'd love to come and just give you a word that God would encourage you with. Amen. And, um, and the Lord visited with me that morning in the car as I was on my way to the office, right? I've, it's about a 25-minute drive, depending on traffic, from my house to my office. And that morning, it was extra long, um, not because of traffic, but because I had to keep pulling over because I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And I just kept crying. And, and I have brought my tissues with me because first service, I was crying all over myself and I didn't have my tissues. So I'm ready now. I'm prepped and ready for whatever may happen. None of us enjoy suffering, do we? Suffering is something that is inevitable for you. Do you realize that? You will suffer. And what I love about the scripture is that it gives us a beautiful insight as to what suffering can produce for us. If you know the book of Romans chapter 5, it really lays out that you know, your suffering produces something in your life. Suffering produces what? What's it say? It produces endurance. And 
Endurance is, is, and I know I'm not going to say it the, the way I did this morning for the first service, but endurance just is you're able, period. Whenever you lift weights, you have to start someplace, but the more you lift it, the more you do, the more you become able to do it. You become able. When you suffer, you have endurance, and endurance leads you to another thing. But you never get to endurance if you don't allow suffering to work in your life. Suffering produces. So there is, there is moments in our life when you will suffer and it is going to produce. You don't suffer just to suffer. You suffer for a purpose, for a reason. You suffer, it produces for you an endurance. And endurance then produces a character. Think about who you want to become. Think about the best version of yourself. There are characteristics. There's character traits of high-level leaders, of high-level successful business people. Think about that. You only get there if you go through suffering. You only get there by doing more than everybody else is willing to do to get to a successful place that not everybody is willing to pay the price to get there. Amen, somebody. So suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character leads to hope. And this morning, I want to take you to the Old Testament. Oh, don't be scared. The Old The book of Daniel chapter 3. When's the last time you read Daniel 3 with its entirety? But I'm going old school. We're going to read the whole thing this morning. I say we're going to read the whole thing. There's a part in there where it talks about all the musical instruments. I'm going to jump past that. And there's also parts in there where they name out who all is attending the meetings. I'm going to jump past that. They're very important people, all kind of instruments. Okay? So we're just going to jump past some of these things. But we're going to read it all. And I want to take you on a journey. Now, this is a real story of intent to commit murder. This, this is a story that we're going to see there's, there's a lot of characters involved, but man, this is going to, this is going to be for you today because, man, I'm telling you right now, it went out the first service, and I just I feel so honored that we do it again together. Is that okay? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're going to do in this moment. And, God, I thank you because I already know what your word is for the house, and they may not know it yet. But, God, I know that you're going to speak, and I know that you're going to move in this place. And we will be careful to honor you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Elbow your neighbor and just say, we don't suffer for no reason. I know that's not proper English. That's okay. We ain't suffering for nothing. How about that? Let's go to the book of Daniel chapter 3. If you grab your phones or your Bibles or look up here on the screens, I just want to read this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather all the important people, okay, and all the officials to come and see the image that he'd set up. And then here's more of the important people, right? <laughs> I'm jumping past and they stood before the image and Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4. And the herald proclaimed out loud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, and all the instruments, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. 
Paul's here. Nebuchadnezzar not just worshipped just one God, he worshipped many. And he created this idol, and he was making a decree that when you heard the music, you're going to fall down and worship this. And whoever does not worship, verse 6, fall down and worship, shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as all the peoples heard the sound of all the instruments and all the peoples and nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Does this at all sound familiar to a situation that we're in today? I think that we are being told how to worship what we can say, what we can't say, things that are acceptable and aren't acceptable. We are being told and dictated to how we are to respond to things, what things we can put on Facebook, what stuff we can't put on Facebook. Ooh, <laughs> y'all pulled back on me a little bit. Why are you pulling back? My daddy used to say something, Pastor Gene, that the quieter you are, the more you tell on yourself. You do with that what you will. But it is funny to me that we now have been told what we will worship. Isn't it? We're going to go somewhere this morning. Therefore, the time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, and all the instruments shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not worship will be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden images that you have set up. So here is a story of these people accusing these three men of not following the order of the king. They come in with malicious intent, and they are trying to destroy these three men. And now I want to point out something here that you don't need to miss. These are three men that are working for the king. These are three men that have been appointed by the king. These are three men that are leaders because you don't get appointed to do something by the king unless you're able to lead. There are leadership principles baked all into this story. Compromise is one that they will not and are not able to do. And if you are a leader, sometimes you have to stand your ground. And we are getting into something that you need to pay attention to. Nebuchadnezzar, he built this thing. He commanded people to worship it. And now you're about to see in verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar was in a furious rage and commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. And listen to this. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now... If you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn and all the instruments, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, that I have made, well and good. But if you do not, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery 
furnace. And who is this God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who is this God? Who is this God? And this is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Can you imagine a more bold statement could be made? Like, bro, we don't even need to talk to you about this. Can I tell you what they were saying? I already know that you're going to disagree with me, and I'm disagreeing with you. There is no sense in us arguing about this here. That's what they were saying. I'm not going to argue with you about this because there's things I will do and there's things I won't do. And this here, baby, is one of them things that I won't do. I am not going to worship this thing. Now we see Nebuchadnezzar absolutely in verse 19, was filled with fury, and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace. When's the last time y'all read scriptures like this? Tell me the truth. We want bullet points a lot, don't we? Get in there and read it. It's good for your heart. Come on. He ordered, listen to this, his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and the old billy goat. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind them, to bind them, and then cast them into the fiery furnace. And then these men were bound in their cloaks. Are you reading it? They were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Family, I want you to put yourself in their position just for a minute. You're talking about facing execution for not doing what the king is telling you to do. Imagine yourself there for a minute. I'm not talking about being canceled. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean being canceled. Like these brothers are about to be pay the ultimate price. And they're going into this fiery furnace. Imagine the fear that has to be in them. Right? But I want to go back and I want to read to you the response that they gave the king. Because it is extremely important for you to know how you enter a season. Oh my gosh. How you posture yourself before you enter a season is extremely important. Right? Mm. Let's circle back, can we? (laughs) This is what they said to him. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you on this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up, that we will not do what you're asking us to do. And I wonder what would happen in your own life if you started making standards of what you will do and what you won't do. What you will allow in your life and what you won't allow in your life. What your children will allow in their lives is exactly what you allow in yours. (laughs) 
uh, just elbow your neighbor and tell them it gets better from here. They are bound and they are thrown into this fire. And it is amazing to me that the fire was so hot that it killed the brothers that threw them in. Can I keep reading? Because in verse 22, the king's order was urgent, the furnace was overheated. And the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell bound into the burning furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste and declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered to the king, That's right, three men. And he answered and said, but I see four men. He said, I see four men. And I want you to listen that this man who did not know that there was another God, this man that told the question to these three brothers, who is it that is going to deliver you out of my hands? Who is it? He had an incredible introduction. He went from not believing at all to being an ambassador almost because he then begins to scribe, to describe in his own words what he sees. And he said, I don't see three men. He said, I see four men, right? And he said, but one of them looks like the son of God. I like the King James a little bit better. This says it looks like the son of the gods. The King James said it looked like the son of God. Right? And this is something that I want to point out. I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is the Son of God. Amen. Here is the thing about suffering that none of us want to really admit, is that there's so much fear attached to the what-ifs. What if he don't? What if he doesn't come through? What if I get into the season of life where I'm struggling? If I get into the season of life and I'm in the middle of something, how are we going to make it out on the other side? And we spend our life avoiding the furnace that is going to deliver us to the other side of our promise. And we spend all of our effort and energy trying to avoid suffering where suffering has its place in our life. Now, I'm not talking about doing dumb things and suffering because we're dumb. Because we are dumb. And we do dumb things and we suffer for that. I'm talking about suffering in a way where you wrestle within yourself to grow, to become better, to become more. You fight against you. Our hearts are all wicked. And we fight against what is it that causes quarrels among you, the scripture says. Is it not your own heart? Is it not your own desires that's within you? That's the book of James if you want to go read it. Here's the reality. In our life, we will face fires, and we will face incredible fires in our life. We will suffer. But do you know that suffering has a purpose? Now, these men went in to this bound up. They went into it 
just with complete faith, but they went in bound up. So the first thing I want to remind you is this. Sometimes the fire is meant to set you free with what you've been bound up with. Sometimes the fire is meant for you to let go of habits that are keeping you from going to the next level of your life. Sometimes the fire you face, it will, it will cost you so much to keep these things that you think are necessary in your life. You think, man, this is not worth it. For me to get out of here, I got to start letting some of this stuff go. There are fires that are necessary for your life, for you to suffer well, to identify where am I needing to grow. There's a part of me that has to die and there's a part of me that has to live. What parts of me need to go are going to stay in this fire and the parts of me that are going to live are going to come out on the other side. It's hard to reconcile those things because we don't want to suffer. We don't enjoy suffering. Suffering is not fun, but suffering does have a purpose. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in a position where they said, we know who we are, and we're not going to drop beneath it. We're going to keep our identities, and we're going to worship our God, and we refuse to, uh, to, to uh, make you feel comfortable. Because it's uncomfortable for you to see us worship how we worship. We are not going to worship this thing. And here they go. And the king says, bring them out of there. Get them out of this thing. Right? And whenever they come to the king, not only are they not burnt, they don't even smell like a fire. Have you ever been around a campfire? You just smell like smoke. It's all over you. And you can't get, a, everybody knows where you've been. You've been around something that's smoky. Do you know in Hebrews 12, at the very end of Hebrews 12, it says this, that our God is an all-consuming fire. I wonder, I just wonder, whenever the king was trying to the natural, heat this fire up as hot as he could get it and get it to a place where it would destroy anything that went in it, that, that God himself then took it over and said, this is now a supernatural fire. This is now something I'm all consuming. I'm handling everything that's going on in here. Now it's just a new place. And I wonder if we have identified the seasons of our life that we've gotten into, if we think the fire is trying to kill us or is the fire trying to refine us. It's hard to identify them sometimes, isn't it? Because as humans, we want to pout, don't we? As humans, we don't even want to be in the fire. We don't want to have any struggle. We want to, Lord, just bless us and keep us safe, keep us away from all the, the stuff, Right? But it's in these moments that God uses to show himself strong. And I want to just tell you one thing. As I was riding in my car, what made me so incredibly emotional was that I felt like there was someone here in this house that feels like you're in a fire that you just cannot get out of. And you've been beat up. You've been demoralized. You've been diminished in some way. And you feel like now that you've been disqualified because you've ended up in a spot that you think it's trying to kill you. And here's what I just felt the Lord hit my heart so heavy with. And I'm going to be honest, man. I, I had to pull over several times because I was just crying so hard. Here's what I know. I know that in your life, you're not going to suffer without purpose unless you don't realize the purpose of your suffering. 
that you have to identify why am I where I am? Why am I in the season that I'm in? Where am I? What is going on around me? Stop making it about, well, my finances is well, my wife and my, well, my, listen, if you get alone with the Lord, hmm, he may start showing you some things that need to get burnt off you. Do you know how they make gold pure? They have to heat it up. They have to melt it. They have to put the gold through a very uncomfortable process. If the gold had feelings, the gold would say, boy, this sure is hot. Man, I don't know if y'all know, but I'm melting. I'm not solid. I'm turning into a goo. And you know what happens? All the impurities of that gold come to the top. And the goldsmith takes a tool and scrapes the top of the gold away and lets the gold solidify. And the gold thinks, I am so glad I made it through my one and only test. I'm so glad I survived this only season of fire I'm ever going to see. But it's not pure enough. So do you know what the goldsmith does? He heats it up again. And he heats it up again. And he heats it up again. And he continues to remove impurities. And in our life, we will keep going through the same fire until we start removing the impurities. Okay, so let's just do... I'm going to use a very baseline, very simple point here. I hate Atlanta traffic. How, uh, every day, I take 85 right down the, the way, and I get on 75. And I know if I don't leave early when I'm in town, if I don't leave early, I sit on 85 with 3 million other people. And do you know what blows my mind? The Lord is still working on me, family. The Lord is still working on me. What still blows my mind is people just want to act like you don't exist. And they just want to pull it like, but you see me here. I'm sitting right here. You can't go anywhere. Why are you nudging over into my lane? All of a sudden, something stopped boiling up on the inside of me. Okay? You ever have something just boil up on the inside of you? It's really easy to identify the condition and the quality of your heart, Right? based on the quality of your words. Because from the heart, the mouth speaks. When you get into a hot moment, what comes out of you? When you get into a moment where you're being challenged, what comes out of you? When you're getting into a moment where things aren't going the way you want them to go, what comes out of you? It's easy for us when we really mature and learn how to examine our own heart. You examine your heart by listening to your words. Because your mouth always tells on your heart. Well, this ain't popular. <laughs> Nobody's shouting you down for that one. But it's the truth. And guess how we know where we are? We have to go through fiery moments. Because that's when the stuff pops up. That's when you start seeing who you are, where you are really. And here is the mistake that we make. We clearly see what's going on in our life, and yet we refuse to get rid of it. We just let it, we let the moment go, we hold on to it all, and all those impurities just stay with us. And here's something that I heard, Phil, that just blew my mind. 
you know, we, God doesn't ever test us so that we fail, right? But we'll keep taking that test until we pass it. You ever heard that? Like you, you're going to keep walking that same thing until you're able to grow past it, until you're able to get past it. I went, look, can I tell on myself? Because I know I'm talking about me, not you. I went through something where I was accused of something that I did not do. Have you ever had that happen to you? I want to tell you something. Something came out of me. It wasn't good. Because I wanted something called vindication. Hmm? I wanted, I wanted to have the judge and the jury. I wanted to have all the people. I wanted to bring everybody in. I wanted all the receipts. I wanted laid out. And I wanted to make the point that I was right and I did not deserve what I went through. Didn't. And buddy, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord just started working on me. Some things I went through, I thought it disqualified me. I, I wish I could tell you that I pastored with, with no flaws whatsoever, but I, I, I didn't. I made mistakes, did things, you know, that maybe wasn't the best to do, but I'm young. Most importantly, I'm dumb. You're going to do dumb things, Right? And in those seasons, in those quiet moments, this is what I felt like the Lord was saying. You haven't gone through these things by yourself. You ever been in a place where you felt like you're just far away from God? Just note this. Nowhere in the scriptures that we just read does it say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw the fourth man. It never says that. The king saw the fourth man. The, the one that didn't believe anyway saw the fourth man. And I just wonder who's seeing God in your life when you don't see God in your life. I wonder who's watching you go through something that should be killing you, but it's not. And you're showing somebody that God is with me, even sometimes when we doubt that he is with me. The king saw the fourth man. And the king identified that this is something that goes past what I know. It goes past what I understand. That you should be dead and gone. But instead, not only are you surviving, but it looks to me like you're throwing a party. He said, I see them, they are unbound they are walking around, and upon further inspection, they didn't even smell like what they had been through. They didn't even have a singed hair on their head. Their garments didn't smell like smoke. They weren't torn up, burnt up, nothing. Here is where I feel like God wants me to pause and just tell you something. That even though you're in a situation where it is killing you, that you are not going to look like, smell like, or feel like what you've been through. That you're going to come out on the other side and people are going to wonder. 
they won't even believe what you've been through. Have you ever been around somebody, you start hearing their story, and they're like, bro, how are you even here? You, you don't look like what you've been through. You, you don't sound like what you've been through. And there are a lot of us that sound like what we've been through, right? Because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, so it identifies that we're not yet healed up from the furnaces that we've been through, which is okay. You are where you are. But now that you know, start healing up. Start healing up. Because guess what's coming for you? Another furnace. Does that make you mad? I don't have any better news. Guess what's coming? Something else. And guess what's coming? Something else. But who's it for? It is most definitely for you. And it is most definitely for who's watching you. Hmm? How can they thrive in such an environment? That's what people say. How, how, how can you do what you do? It looks like you are walking through hell, but you feel like you're just in the middle of heaven. I don't understand it. And this is what I know. Down towards the end of this, this is what the king says. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar answered in verse 28. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in the this way. Nebuchadnezzar built this image. Nebuchadnezzar gave an order for it to be worshipped. Nebuchadnezzar, when he found out that these brothers weren't doing it, they were filled, he was filled with a murderous rage. And then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with awe whenever he saw these three boys, and someone else in there with him. And then he believed, didn't he? There is no other God that can rescue in this way. And then, instead of killing these brothers, the last verse says this. Then the king promoted them. He went from wanting to kill them. He went from being so mad at them that it cost him his, some of his strong men for throwing them in the fire. He went from wanting to kill them to wanting to promote them. Family, I could, if, boy, if I was in a good Pentecostal church this morning, we have the organ. Oh, we would just, we would, right, I would just tear this place up. But there is promotion when you suffer and suffer well. There is promotion when you realize that the fire that you're in is not meant to destroy you. It is meant to purify you. 
There is promotion when you look at things as God looks at things for your life, that no matter what you go through, he is with you. It's for your benefit and for his glory. That he is with you when you're suffering. He is with you when you're in the furnace. He is with you when you're disappointed. He is with you when you are brokenhearted. He is with you and he is able. I have preached the message about Paul and Silas 5,379 and a half times. Somebody said, that's a joke, right? Here's here's something I want to just give you real quick. The same way that these men were willing to lay their life down for what they believed, right? Paul and Silas went to prison for casting the devil out of this, this woman. They didn't do anything wrong, did they? But they went to prison. As a matter of fact, they were stripped naked and got beat and went to prison. Now, that's, that's insult to injury, right? And here they are, and that whole story, Paul and Silas, it's not even about them. That whole moment that they're going through is not even about them. They, they've been beat on. They've been probably arguing with each other because Silas was like, bro, why'd you even have to say something? You could have just shut your mouth and we wouldn't even have to be here. I would have said that to Paul. Like, Paul, you got, look at my feet. You don't got my feet tore up because of you. But all of a sudden, when you get to the end, the miraculous that happens, the prison door shakes, people are loosed. Guess who the story is really about? It's about the jailer. The jailer's about to kill himself, run himself through with a sword, isn't he? And then he says to Paul, what must I do to be saved? What I got? And that night, listen to me, Paul and Silas, well, I'm sure they got clothed by then, but beaten, bloody, naked, are baptizing that joker and his family that night. Are we, hang on, are we willing to suffer so that someone else can see who God is? Are we really willing to be put into the fires of life? And family, if you don't go in the fire, you don't mature. If you don't walk through those seasons, you don't become. You stay the same. Anybody want to stay the same? I don't. I need to get better. And if my wife was here, she would be saying, amen. I need to get better. I want to get better. For what purpose and to what end? So that his name can be made famous. Last thing. The band can come up. I'm about to close. I heard something this past week. um, Excuse me, a few weeks ago. I was in Scotland and in Ireland and uh, in the UK. We were doing ministry. We had events set up over there. And it was a powerful time of ministry. And a friend of mine played me a video and this was the gist of it. Jesus is crucified in the middle of two thieves. And these two men, one is mocking Jesus, and the other just, just clearly says, hey, this dude is who he says he is, right? It, I'm paraphrasing. But the, the video was, imagine... After death, now this this man shows up to heaven. 
And the conversation is like, well, how'd you get here? Well, I really don't know. Well, did you go to Bible study? No, never made it to Bible study. Well, did you ever get baptized? No, never got baptized. Well, surely you've taken communion. Never took communion. Never. Well, how in the world did you get here? You, how did you get here? And he replies, the man in the middle said I could come. Don't we complicate things so much, right? Don't we? Don't we? I wonder who's going to believe because you stayed faithful. I wonder who's going to believe because they saw you suffer and suffer well. I wonder who's going to believe because when they look at your life, they see something that's different. They see hope. They see something that is void in their life, but it is present in yours. And our hope in this life is that as we grow and we become, that we are a beacon and an ambassador for the name that is above every name. That we are not here to get more holy so that we can high-five each other on Sunday morning. That we are here so that we can become more and more like Jesus and offer hope more and more like Jesus. And just like Jesus, when you get in the presence of him, things start to change. And when you get in the presence of God, things start changing in your life. So if I, had to, if I had to just encourage you for anything, I want to tell you this. You're not suffering for nothing. You're suffering for a purpose and for a reason. And you may not even realize how close God is, but he's there. Other people may see it more clearly than you, but he is there. Would you stand with me? As we begin in worship, I want to ask you this. What things need to stay in the fire? What things need to get burnt off in the fire? What things need to stay behind as you press on and grow? And the other thing is, who's watching you in this process? Who's watching you go through these moments? Stay faithful. Come on, close your eyes and let me pray for you just for a second. Father, I thank you for this house and I thank you for these people. I gotta ask you, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would bless them, that you would increase them. God, I pray that you would, in them, Lord, remove and show everything that needs to be taken away for them to go into this next season. And God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, showed us the way for promotion. God, that we should not compromise our faith and that we should stand strong in the middle of trial and adversity. And God, I am thankful, God, that in this story, the man that was trying to kill him was the man that brought them promotion. <laughs> so Lord, I thank you for promotion in the house. I thank you, God, that it's going from good to great and great to great and great to more great. I thank you from glory to glory to glory. I pray that over this house. Lord, we'll be careful to thank you for all the things that you do. May God bless you, family. In Jesus' name, amen.